Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Welcome to Bucko Booth. My name is Benson Fector, and I'll be the host of your show today. So let's get right into it. Uh, it's a bit of a somber morning for myself. Um, you know, go to bed last night around 11.30 after the uh, the Pirates beat the Braves by a score of 3-2, to two, winning for the third straight time in Atlanta since 19, for the first time since 1993. Wake up this morning, check my phone, um, just expecting to see the time, and guess what I see? I see that the Pirates have traded both David Freeze and Danny Echeverria, David Freeze to the Dodgers for shortstop Jesus Valdez, and Danny Echeverria to the Yankees for future cash considerations. Um, we're going to get to that more in a minute. But just a quick week recap. So uh, with the Brewers on a Saturday, we won nine to one. Then lost the Sunday rubber match. Uh, lost the series against the Cardinals and started the series last night on a good foot. Regarding David Freeze and regarding Adani Echeverria, so I want to talk about this right now and get this out of the way. David Freeze, I loved him. Okay, when he was a Cardinal. And when he was an angel, I couldn't really appreciate David Freeze's greatness. But when he came to Pittsburgh, really as a fill-in for Jung Ho Gong, I wasn't expecting much. He didn't really impress anybody in Los Angeles with the angels. But in Pittsburgh, he did. In Pittsburgh, he did impress. In Pittsburgh, he won the hearts of fans, and he proved he belongs. But at the end of the day, this trade needed to be made. Colin Moran is the third baseman of the future. David Brees has a club option now with the Dodgers for 2019. Were the Pirates going to pick that up? We don't know. But this trade signals that we probably weren't going to pick that up anyway. Is David Brees a big loss? Yes. But is David Brees a good loss at the same time? The answer to that is yes as well. Colin Moran has been tearing it up lately, and David Freeze has been stealing his ABs all year against left-handed pitchers. With where we are at in the standings at 66 and 69, nine and a half games back at the second wild card spot, the hopes of a Bucktober run are all but gone. So you have to start looking to young players starting to get giving them playing time, and Colin Moran needs to start getting that bats against left-handed pitchers. Because guess what? David Freeze was going to leave at some point, and Colin Moran needs experience, not just being a platoon player. I believe he can rise to the challenge and bat decently against left-handed opponents. Regarding Adani Echeverria, the trade... I mean, we brought him in from the Tampa Bay Rays to boost our infield defense. Uh, we have not played very well since he's been in a Pirates uniform. Not that big of a loss. We're giving future cash considerations from the Yankees. So, at the end of the day, not that big of a loss with Echeverria. Freeze, it's going to hurt, but we will get over it. And at the end of the day, there have been crazier things done in baseball. A playoff run is not entirely impossible. And maybe these run these moves will catapult us into that next magical September under Clint Hurdle's realm. 
So let's uh, take a look at our player awards. Giving my player of the week to Adam Frazier. 353 average at 6 for 17 with two home runs and five RBIs this week. Pitcher, Keone Kella. Three innings pitched in three games. One hit allowed, no runs, no walks, five strikeouts. Excellent week from Kella. Rookie of the week goes to the Redbeard, Colin Moran. 400 average, 8 for 20, two RBIs. And the glove of the week, who also happened to be the MVP of the week, goes to Adam Frazier. 12 total chances, 7 assists, 8 put-ups, 2 double plays, no errors. A great overall week for Adam Frazier and the trade of Danny Echeverria will probably allow us to give him and Kevin Newman some much more needed playing time. So let's uh, move into what I really wanted to talk about on the show and what I was planning to talk about last night, and that is Chris Archer. And he has struggled so far with the Pittsburgh Pirates, but it's been a season and last couple of years where that's been the trend for Archer. Pension coach Ray Search has spoken about what he thinks Archer needs to do. Chris Archer has pitched to a 6.45 ERA and 4.68 FIP as a member of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Pushing the season marks to 4.72 and 3.82 respectively. Over the last three seasons, Archer has a 4.20 ERA and 3.65 FIP, a three-year trend of underperforming his metrics. Archer has great peripherals, lots of strikeouts and limiting walks, but the runs allowed remain high. The right-handed painter starts tonight after an outing against the Milwaukee Brewers in which he allowed six runs in four innings. After the game, pitching coach Ray Searage had comments on what Archer needs to go needs to do going forward, telling Rob Beard Temple of the Athletic, quote, he has to be able to pitch inside of both righties and lefties, as opposed to going to the slider all the time when he gets in trouble, Searage said. Pitching inside, especially with the fastball, the staple of the Pirates pitching philosophy in the Searage era. The first step in the Pirates method is establishing the two-seam or sinker, something that Archer has recently done, according to Jason Rolison from Buck's Dugout. Step two, pitch inside. This is something that Archer hasn't really done this year. But his fastballs against right-handed batters and left-handed batters in 2018, I mean, he's not really pitching inside. Against right-handed batters, Archer's mainly been in the middle of the zone and up with the heater. Against batters from the opposite side, Archer uses his fastballs up and away and has left his share such a cut. Archer continuing to miss spots and leaving pitches down the middle of the zone is something that Pirates color analyst Bob Walk brings up constantly. Pitchers will make mistakes over the middle, but it's about limiting the amount of those mistakes, and Archer hasn't done that. Looking back to his 2015 season, the last season in which Archer pitched what his potential is, posting a 3.23 ERA and the challenging American League East. Archer didn't live inside against either right-handed or left-handed batters. Rather, he went up and away and tried to avoid barrels that way. The biggest difference between 2015 and 2018, with the fastball at least, is the amount of fastballs right down the middle. In 2018, there's a nice dark area representing a high volume of fastballs down the middle against both sides. 
back in 2015, there were mistakes down the middle, but it was less concentrated than before. That's the largest difference between the success and low points. Avoid in the heart of the plate more than not. Pitching inside isn't the guarantee of success. It's more of a way to avoid the middle of the plate. Walk's point is the most correct point. Limit the mistakes you make. Pitching inside is the staple of steerage, and it's likely the best way for him to teach and game plan for pitchers. Overall, pitching inside won't make Archer regain that level. It's missing the heart of the plate at a higher rate that will. And that's the goal of what steerage is preaching is. If you go inside, you hopefully miss inside, not over the middle of the plate. And that's the thing with Archer. As Bob Walk has pointed out many a time on AT&T Sportsnet, Archer doesn't have very good command. That's just the truth, and he needs to limit his mistakes. Limit them. Because at the end of the day, mistakes will happen. But to be a professional pitcher and to be a Major League Baseball player, it's all about consistency. And at times, you will deviate from that consistency. There will be pitches left over the middle of the plate. Will they hit it out of the park? Or will they ground out to shortstop? It just depends. But the problems that Chris Archer has been having is because he cannot locate the fastball. Goes in there and throws it in hopes for it to be a strike. If Chris Archer can locate the fastball inside, then he will be back to the elite all-star level pitcher that the Pirates ultimately traded for from the Tampa Bay Rays. All right, let's talk a little about some trading. So, I want to talk about Josh Um And the Pittsburgh Pirates, there will be a team heading into 2019 in a semi-transitional phase. While the team is shaping to be competitive next year, they should also look to shred payroll where they can. Because of that, it makes more sense to try and trade Josh Harrison this winter rather than force a trade, which they did not last night. Heading into the offseason, the Pittsburgh Pirates should be fairly well set at most positions. Deadline moves were made to bolster the rotation, although at this point, the results leave much to be desired, and the bullpen. And the team also brought in a former all-star outfielder before the season begun. So other than maybe looking for help at third base if the team is not convinced to Brian Hayes is ready or Carl Moran will not progress past the type of player he currently is, the Pirates have a solid group of players heading into 2019. However, the team is going to have a decision to make with a longtime fan favorite, Josh Harrison. Since signing this four-year $27.3 million extension at the beginning of the 2015 season, Harrison has been worth at least one win each season, topping out at 2.6 last year, according to fan graphs, up until this year. Harrison's performance has been a great return investment for the team, easily being worth his salary each year. However, this year has not been the case. Harrison is currently sitting at 0.4 war this season, easily the worst mark of his career since 2013. Consider that he's earning $10 million this year, his production has not come close to what he's being paid. Harrison's contract calls for two team options in 2019 at $10.5 million for a $1 million buyout, and 2020 at $11 million with a $5 million buyout. That's a lot to pay a 31-year-old infielder 
who's coming off his least productive season since becoming a regular in the lineup. With reports that Harrison has cleared waivers, he was eligible to be traded to any team uh, since last night. From the, for him to be eligible for the postseason, a deal would have to be done yesterday, but he is still eligible to be traded. Even with the subpar offensive production and pricey team options, Harrison could be an attractive acquisition for a contender since he can play multiple positions. However, unless a team is willing to give up someone that can be useful for the Pirates, they should not just trade him this season for the sake of trading him. What the Pirates should do is hold on to him, exercise the option for 2019, and then try to move him this winter. This would free up millions of dollars that could be used to explore the free agent market and also because the team has internal options at both the major and minor league levels that could be plugged in immediately. Adam Fraser has been one of the team's most consistent hitters in the second half. It would be a much cheaper option for the team. Fraser still has another year of team control before he will head to his first year of arbitration. And we'll certainly see a raise from a salary of $571,000 this year. Frazier has had his most productive season to date, with career highs in home runs with seven and war at 1.1. He has set his career high in less at-bats and he has re- than he ha- that he has received in previous seasons. The recently promoted Kevin Newman has seen action at second base since joining the Pirates so he could be an option going forward. However, he most likely fits in the team's plans as, sh- as the shortstop for next year. So if there is a minor leaguer that could challenge Harrison for playing time, if he stays, or Frazier if he takes over, it would be Kevin Kramer. Kramer's had a nice season with Indianapolis, flashing for a 307 average, 367 ODP, and a 480 slugging with 14 home runs. The, Pir- the Pirates certainly have options entering the offseason. However, if there is one hurdle, to move in Harrison, it is definitely his rising salary and decreasing production. Teams may shy away from trading for him because of these reasons, but his ability to play multiple positions in the field could be a reason that they would overlook his salary of over $10 million in 2019. Since teams uh, did not acquire Josh Harrison yesterday, the Pirates should not feel any pressure to move him just for the sake of moving him. They could probably field more serious offers in the postseason, which would also allow them to figure out how exactly they want to construct their roster for 2019. Now, here's what I think. And here's what I said. Give him 2019, but trade him. Because I believe he can be traded. And the Pirates do pick up his 2019 team option. That is what they should do. Otherwise, let him walk. But we can get value for him at the end of the day. But the thing that fans need to realize, yes, he's a fan favorite, but yes, at the same time, he needs to go. Adam Frazier needs to be the starting second baseman every single day. With Josh Harrison being hurt, with him not expected to get much better before the conclusion of the 2018 season, What's the point? We're fighting for our playoff lives every single game. Every single game the rest of the season is critical or must-win games. Sitting at 66 and 69, nine and a half back in the second wildcard spot with one month to go. 
That is not an ideal position. Is it an impossible position to overcome? No. Crazier things have happened in baseball, and that's what people need to realize. Baseball is a crazy game, just like what Clint Hurdle did with the Rockies in 2007, winning 14 of 15 to force a game 163 and then went on to the World Freaking Series. Can the Pirates do that? Are the Pirates capable of that? The answer to that is simply yes. And the reason why that is yes is that's because of our pitching, I believe. A 3.68 ERA, I believe, in the month of August. What? That's crazy as a stat down that low of an ERA. Our offense needs to pick it up, and our offense is capable of being the offense that led the major leagues in home runs in July with 36, batted 277 as a group, scored 127 runs. We are capable of that. We can get back to that. Our pitching is going to be consistent. Our pitching has been consistent for a long time now. Consistently good. And the July numbers may be inflated, ERA-wise, but that's because we allowed 34 runs in two games to the Phillies and Dodgers. That's going to inflate some ERAs, right? So the pitching is there, and the pitching has been consistent. Is a move, is a run possible? Yes. Did we think a run was possible before we ran off that 11-game winning streak? No. Nobody thought it was possible. But we did it. We adapted, we overcame, and we improvised. We were not a very good team in the month of August, but September is a new month. And we started, we ended August on a high note. We can sweep this series against the Braves, head home against the Reds. We have 12 games remaining against the Reds, Marlins, and Royals, nine of them being at home. Who's to say we're not going to go 12-0? and 0? Who's to say that we can not already bank on being 78-69? and 69? And if we are 78-69 and 69, in theory, if we are currently 78-69, and 69, that leaves us with 15 games left. We have to go 10-5 and five in those games to get to that 88-win plateau. That is not impossible. We have to go 10-5 and five against the good teams, 12-0 against the crap teams. Is that unheard of? No. Is it unheard of that we sweep the Reds who in September with their expanded roster? Is it unheard of that we sweep the Marlins or the Royals with their expanded rosters? especially at home at PNC Park? No. That is not unheard of. It is not unheard of to go 10-5 and five against quality teams. Absolutely not. We can do this still. It is possible we are not done yet. It all starts tonight, and it's one game at a time. 10-5 and five against the good, 12-0 and 0 against the bad. It is possible. Don't lose faith on your Pittsburgh Pirates from 2018. These trades of well, Freeze and may make you think so, but it's not over until it's over. Let's get it done in September. I want to talk a little about Jameson Tyone. Jono. So coming into 2018, fans expected Big things out of the Pittsburgh Pirates 
2010 number two overall pick, Jameson Tyone. He answered that with a less than stellar April and May. He since calmed down and came back down to earth. To end the month of May, Tyone was 2-4 and four through 11 starts with a 4.53 ERA. So he was doing a solid job of punching out batters, and his walk rate was actually down. But his home run rate, 13.2% home runs for fly ball, was inflated. Something had to give, and it did. On May 27th, Tyne began using a slider. Since then, he has been a different pitcher. From June 1st until now, Tyne has thrown 94 and a third innings. He has a 2.86 ERA and a 3.19 fit. His home run rate also dropped significantly to 10.4 in that stretch. It's not just a coincidence that from the day that Tyne began throwing a slider consistently and efficiently, that he has been a different pitcher. He has thrown his slider around 24% of the time since May 27th. In that same period, his fastball usage declined 5%, 35 to 30%. And he has also thrown his curveball around 20% of the time, according to Brooks Baseball. So in the month of May, he threw his four-seam 35.29%. In the month of June, 33.6%. In the month of July, 32.84%. In the month of August, 30.42%. In the month of May, through sinker 20% of the time, June 18.4%, July 19.67%, and August 25.19% of the time. He threw his curveball in the month of May 8.24%, June 18.4%, July 23.56%, and August 15.96%. In May, through his slider, 35.29% of the time. In June, 18.4%. In July, 23.56%. And in August, 15.96%. In the month of May, through a changeup, 1.18%. His changeup in June at 4.8%. In July, at 3.71%. And in August, at 2.99%. August has been good. In the month of August, Tyne has solidified himself. Through four starts, he has a 2.97 FIP, a 1.67 walks per nine, and a home run to fly ball rate of nine. His strikeout to walk ratio is 23 to five. Yet again, his slider correlates to his success. In August, hitters are swinging at a slider 68% of the time, with a whiff percentage of around 15%. While his slider isn't completely dominant, as it has been put in play 31% of the time in August, almost 44% of the balls put in play against the pitch are ground balls. What is fantastic to see is the consistency from Tyon. Over his last 16 starts, he has allowed more than three runs, and he has thrown at least six innings 12 of those 16 starts. The Pirates have a strong bullpen, so six innings is a solid number to shoot for. However, he has only reached the seventh or deeper four times since May 27th. Well, I would say how far he gets in the games definitely affects his ace status, but as of late, the innings that the Pirates do get from him are quality. So I won't go so far as to say he is an ace, but it's a definite step in the right direction. The Pirates seen a face of the rotation more than ever, especially with the well-documented struggles of Chris Archer since he came to Pittsburgh. However, combine the possibility of tying and pitching like he has since June, figuring out his issues, 
and the front end of this pipe rotation could be for the next few years. Our front end is going to be set. JMO is pitching like an ace. Is he an ace yet? No. Will he get there? Yes. That's my, that's my answer. Chris Archer, is he struggling right now? Yes. Will he figure out his issues eventually? Yes. Will he be the pitcher we traded for? Yes. Chris Archer's career numbers are too good for him to be struggling right now the way he is. They just are. And then, you know, you throw in a guy like Trevor Williams, who's only allowed, what is it, four runs since the All-Star break? You had a guy like freaking Joe Musgrove, who is, besides his last start, has, for the most part, been dominant. You had somebody like Yvonne Nova, who, when he's on, is one of the best pitchers on baseball. And then the depth. The depth of the Pirates have. Chad Cool, people have forgotten about him. He's been shut down trying to avoid Tommy John surgery. But, man, he's a good player. He's a good pitcher. I mean, my player comp to him one day is legit, is Max Scherzer. That's where I think he can be. That's where I know Chad Cool can be. What about Stephen Brault? He's had five starts this season. He's a, been great since his call-up. He can be that type of player as well. He can be that left-hand starter that we need, if necessary. What about Clay Holmes? Look, he has had documented struggles in the big leagues, but he still has front-end big-time potential. He throws 97 with ease. Bowling ball-type sinker. We saw what he can do against the Brewers back in July in that doubleheader. He can be that pitcher. He just needs major league experience. And we're going to hope to get him that, that experience in September. What about Mitch Keller? He's expected to be in that rotation in 2019, but our rotation is getting kind of full, isn't it? That's a beauty. Our rotation is set. Our rotation is good. Our bullpen is set. Our bullpen is good. I mean, Vasquez, Kella. So what Huntington did there? Turning Mark Melanson into freaking Felipe Vasquez and Keone Kella? What a trade. Edgar Santana in the mix? Kyle Crick? I mean, what a trade there, too. Trading Andrew McCutcheon, a very popular player to the Giants, for Kyle Crick and Brian Reynolds, and Andrew McCutcheon is no longer a Giant. That's a good trade, isn't it? What well, Edgar Santana? What a season he's having. What about Richard Rodriguez? Left dead by the Baltimore Orioles. The Pirates pick him up, and boom, takes off. And also in that rotation, what about Nick Kingham? He's shown brilliance in the major leagues. We have pitching depth, and that is a good problem to have, to have too many pitchers, because guess what? You can never have too many good pitchers. Injuries happen, my friends, and it's nice to have that backup plan. It is. Jameson Town is on his way to A status. He is not there yet. I'm excited to see what the future holds for my boy Jamo. 11 and 9 right now in the season. Excellent since June. And what we are seeing is a Jameson Town that we all thought we were going to see for the duration of this 2018 season. But if he can turn it on, that rotation stays hot. 
watch out for the Pirates in September. Again, 10-5 and five against the good teams, 12-0 against the crap teams. It's doable. Let's get back to October. Uh, that's, that is just about going to wrap up our show this morning. I thank everybody for tuning in, whether it's live, archives, or whatever platform. I appreciate it. Make sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Jared at Pirates.Strong, and myself, Benson, at Bucks Dug Out. That's Bucks Dug Out. Um, we'll be back again with you next Saturday. Hopefully, by that point, uh, we will shorten our. Hopefully, at that point, we'll be above 500. Um, I like to see a winning season out of this group. So yeah, that's uh, have a great week, everybody. Uh, Labor Day weekend also. It is Labor Day weekend, so have a good weekend. You know, maybe go out for a barbecue, go out for the weekend. Uh, it'll be fun. I've got a baseball game this morning at nine, so that's why the show is a little bit earlier than usual this morning. But hey, I love doing this. I love being here with you every Saturday morning. And hopefully next week we'll be able to get Jared on for our first episode, for his first episode on uh, in episode number 10. Um, so yeah, we, we've got big things planned for when he comes on as we move towards October. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great Labor Day weekend. Always fun. The unofficial end of summer is here. So enjoy it. And we'll see you guys on Saturday, as always, uh, let's go box. Bye-bye.